Steve Clifford's coaching staff is finally set heading into the regular season. Plus, we go back to the Donovan Mitchell well. That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available wherever you get your pods, and that includes YouTube, where you can watch our beautiful faces. It's the first time that we're going, not live, but actually recording the same day that we're releasing an episode. We did our position previews. You can go back, check those out. Guards, wings, bigs, talked about it all. And we've also been kind of going along a new journey with this Every Hornets box score concept that Doug Branson, the founder of this podcast, also the founder of Every Hornets box score. Did you say hi? Did you you want me to get to you faster? Well, I just (laughs) wanted to say hello to everyone. I mean, you're talking about me. I'm in the room. I just wanted to say hello. Hello. It is is weird. I apologize for not allowing you that room to speak, but Doug says hi, and you should say hi to his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. We've been going through the Bobcats era. We already had a couple of early 90s Hornets games that we've discussed, looked at those box scores, and so if you have a whole bunch of nostalgia that you would like to experience, that's the pod for you. We'll actually get to the current Charlotte Hornets in today's first segment because just yesterday, the Hornets released the news that the Steve Clifford coaching staff, it is finally said, <laughs> which was a weirder big storyline than anticipated <laughs> this offseason. Kenny Atkinson, we all know the deal with him. He was hired as the Charlotte Hornets head coach. They win a championship. Kenny Atkinson decides, you know what? I do want to stay in the Bay Area. I don't want to go across country to coach a team that probably isn't going to win the championship. I say probably um, when you could probably use even definitely there. Ken, and part of the weird rumor here was that Kenny didn't like the fact that the team wanted some of their assistant coaches to stay on the staff, regardless of who was going to be the head honcho. We didn't know how true that was. What do you make of these li- or this list of names, Doug? Because we do have four guys returning, and then there's some new faces here on the staff as well that you can describe. Well, before I get to these names, I just want to say I love a little assistant coach talk in early August. I mean, there's nothing to me that is more early August NBA talk than Mm -hmm. doing a little assistant coach add or subtract talk. I mean, I just I smell it's it's so hot outside. I love early August. So hot outside. The the asphalt is melting. The, there's nothing on television, no no other sports to talk about except for a dying sport and corrupt golf, uh, blood money golf. That's the only thing to talk about. So here we are. We get to sit and we get to talk about the Charlotte Hornets adding some assistant coaches to their new coach who isn't really a new coach, who's an old coach. So here are the names. He adds what? What do you think about that? You like that? Yeah, Early no, August? I, I do like little it. assistant you know, coach I, talk. I, that that face was not towards you. It was the face towards the Charlotte Hornets offseason, whatever that is, waving hands, gesturing wildly, whatever all of this is, what it was. Yes, that's why I made that face. This is what we've got, folks. I've got a little Tyrone Corbin for you. I've got a little mm, Bob Byer, who uh, was a coach with Steve Clifford when he was coaching the Charlotte Bobcats, mentioning those F- fellas again rex walters bruce uh, kretzer we never really got this right i think it's kretzer it might be kreitzer we never Wait, really got that right news because we always have pronounced his name kreitzer is it kretzer 
It might be Kretzer. It might be Kreitzer. The point is he used to coach with uh, Steve Clifford. The first time Clifford was coaching with the organization has a shooting specialist kind of reputation. He worked specifically with Kimball Walker to help his uh, pull up shooting. And obviously um, that worked out pretty well for the Charlotte Hornets for a while. And then Brian O'Connor, the other ad, I, I think probably th- those are all interesting names, I guess, from the perspective of it's a little mix of guys Clifford used to coach with Hornets, Bobcats, Orlando Magic. Uh, a couple of these uh, coaches were coaching with the Pelicans under Stan Van Gundy. So all of this coaching tree, it kind of melts into one another. But probably Walker, the more interesting story is not the 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 assistant coaches that he brought in, but the assistant coaches that are going to remain with the organization from the James Borrego era. That includes Jay Hernandez, Nick Friedman, Norman Richardson, and Marlon Garnett. Uh, Marlon Garnett had worked specific, was hired to work specifically with LaMelo Ball. So Walker, what do you think about all of these assistant coaches being retained by the Hornets um, organization? I, I think it's funny that the Charlotte Hornets have, they have not known where they want to go. What direction do they want to take given this coaching staff, given the head coach and Steve Clifford? So they decide to keep four of the assistant coaches on Steve Clifford's staff. They go back to Steve Clifford, who's also been in Charlotte before. He brings back Bruce Kretzer slash Kreitzer, who's also been here before. And so are they just trying to figure out the best of both worlds thing, which neither one was extremely fruitful <laughs> like both of these sessions <laughs> right. a couple of these is I guess no, you're right you're right it would be different if any of these people had been part of a charlotte franchise that won a playoff series but they haven't yeah. i mean this is this is back to a future a future that hasn't even presented us with much hope in the form of a playoff series win all of that said And you can Mm -hmm. make fun of me if you want to. You have grounds here. You have evidence to point at me and laugh. But I kind of like some of the names. I, again, I will be the butt of the joke. That is totally fine. The names that they retained? The names that they retained? uh, I don't know. Six of the eight or ten of the names that I know about. Like, you know, look, I, I don't have a whole biology or a biology. I don't have a whole biopic for you on some of these uh on some of these assistant coaches what happened there (laughs) i don't know but we do know that bruce kreitzer was very much so a part of kimba walker's improved shot Uh in fact zach lowe when he came and did a story on kimba and his growth when he made that all nba team bruce was credited heavily so along with steve clifford for helping him improve along the way we know that marlon garnett is somebody that came in here as somebody that's supposed to help a LaMelo ball. So that's very good too. We know Nick Friedman has done a lot of very good things with the G League team, has developed a lot of really close relationships, Jalen McDaniels being one of them. So Mm -hmm. it would make sense. And I've always liked the work of Jay Hernandez, who also had a strong relationship with a star like Kemba, who is um, credited with some player development stuff. I have good things to say about five or six of the assistant names that are on board with Steve Clifford. Yes, it's hilarious that we are bringing in a couple of the other guys from the most successful team being a 2016 playoff appearance. And last year where we've made the play in and gotten blown out a couple of times. Yes, you can point to all of that and say, what the hell are you doing, Charlotte? I will say there are redeeming qualities about quite a few of these assistant coaches. 
Oh, that's fine. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I think the 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 idea that they've retained all of these coaches really proves that all of the rumors around the Kenny Atkinson hire and the whole process of of even trying to bring in a Mike D'Antoni, who I was a big fan of and and wanted him to come in and, and push this organization beyond where they've been into the future, that future being 50 wins. Uh, but I think there there ran a problem when they tried to go to these new coaches and say, yeah, but we want to keep our player development staff. We want to keep some of the staff that LaMelo Ball is used to. And, and, and maybe there's a great relationship between Marlon Garnett and, and LaMelo Ball. And maybe there's good reasons for them to want to keep that particular coach or any of these particular player development coaches. A lot has been said about how Nick Friedman, you know, working both with the G League and the Charlotte Hornets has been able to help some of these role players that, that, that they've developed since they've drafted, like Jalen McDaniels, like Cody Martin, who just who they just re-signed to a long-term contract. Okay, that's fine. But if you're one of these big-name coaches like an Atkinson or a D'Antoni, you're going, hey, I want to bring in my own staff. I don't want to have to deal with the old regime. I don't want to have to deal with a possible mutiny on my hands because these were all Borrego guys, and and they're not my guys. And I think it's very interesting that Steve Clifford went on with with, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski on his podcast and talked a lot about the fact that you know, head coaching or coaching staffs these days are getting larger and that, you know, developing personal relationships with these coaches is very important because these coaches are all touching individual players on a, on a more intimate basis because there are more guys spread out among more um, among the same amount of players. And so I just think all, I just think him mentioning that multiple times in the Woj pod is just very interesting to me. And I, I, I've said it before, file it, file it away. Just file it. Remember it. If there is any conflict, any reported conflict in this staff, um, you know, you can put it on this organization for either uh, not wanting to ride the fence between player development and moving into the future. Or, you know, if you wanted to take an even more cynical tack to it, you could you could deride them for trying to be cheap and keep some of their player development staff so they don't have to pay any more people. That's that's a good point, because if this is solely for the sake of preserving their financial situation, which is rumored to be a bad one as far as their salaries go out to these assistant coaches, then that's that's really bad. The Hornets trying to have their fingerprints all over all of that. But I will say the names they kept are the ones that we talked about at the beginning that I, w- I would like to keep. But reg- regardless, though, like I don't want the Charlotte Hornets to control the head coaching decision on how they want to address their staff. So yes, in the end, I don't want Mike D'Antoni to not choose the Charlotte Hornets because they are saying you have to keep Friedman, you have to keep Jay Hernandez, you have to keep these guys in place and just let D'Antoni fill out his staff because it shows a little bit of a meddling side. So I think both things can be true. Don't, don't, not bring in a head coach because they want to bring in their assistant coaches. That's stupid. But also I like some of the guys that they kept. And so I think both things can be true here. Well, and it's pretty evident that's what they've done. And it, you know, we're going to have to wait until Steve Clifford's replacement uh, for for this organization to actually get serious about bringing in a, a bigger name that would come in and want more control over their staff, which is sad. It just makes this period of Charlotte Hornets, how uh, Charlotte Hornets history, however long it lasts, seem like bridge years, uh, which is unfortunate because you have Lamelo Ball for a limited amount of time, and I don't want to waste any of that time on bridge years. 
That's true. I do want to continue that conversation, though, with LaMelo Ball. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Was it worth it to keep one of the guys specifically because of a possible close relationship with LaMelo Ball? And will the Hornets continue their pursuit of a star in this league? That's coming up next, but not before we talk about Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate that's right bill has done it again let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs they have a light and chewy texture real cookie dough chunks and of course they're covered in 100 real chocolate just like all of these bars are plus the good thing about built bars are not only do they taste like a dessert but they're healthy for you too whopping 15 grams of protein in some of these bars like the cookie dough chunk puff but also they're low in calorie they're low in sugar they are high in protein as i mentioned they're also high in fiber go to built.com use promo code lock 15 get 15 percent off of your order use promo code lock 15 at built.com plenty more lockdown hornets coming up next lockdown podcast network you are listening to the lockdown hornets podcast david the show's barely been on how are these injuries going to affect the hornets ability to beat the miami heat i'm gonna go get some more buttermilk while you talk about (laughs) get more hornets analysis on lockdownhornets.com I'm interested in the conversation about Marlon Garnett more so, Doug. And I know you were listening to some of his audio, maybe about some of his philosophies, trying to teach these young bloods what it is to play in the NBA and specifically a certain young blood with LaMelo Ball. Like to me, if we're talking about doing what is best for the 20 year old star franchise player that you have within this organization, I think that that's a good sign, right? Especially if... I'm assuming, I don't know this, but I'm absolutely assuming, and I feel pretty comfortable doing so, that those two do have a good relationship. That if LaMelo did not get along well with Marlon Garnett, Marlon Garnett wouldn't be here. He'd be Marlon Marlon Garnett. Gone, yeah. Gone yet, question mark? That's what we'd be asking if he did (laughs) not have. That's right, you're right. We workshopped it. Marlon gone, (laughs) gone yet. Is Marlon gone yet? Yeah, that's what we'd be asking if he did not have a close relationship with LaMelo. So if LaMelo wants that, plus we have evidence of some pretty good player development history with some of these guys, then that's all fine. But even specifically with Garnett, I like that move. And I wonder just how much that might've like, what's the happy medium here. When we talk about D'Antoni's decision, I want my guys, but really Kenny, which is where this rumor came out, Kenny wanting his own Kenny Atkinson, wanting his own members of the assistant staff. He got to choose six, Right. I think we have 10 people a part of the coaching staff and I know four were retained. So did you really have a full 10 set and you just couldn't compromise on three or four of them? And in that case, if Marlon is somebody that works well with LaMelo as a Hornet fan, as a LaMelo fan, we meet in the Venn diagram of wanting what's best for both parties. It would certainly be reasonable for an organization and not probably not un, un, you know unknown for an organization to say, hey, this is our star player. This is a uh, an assistant that this star player works with closely and has a great relationship. We'd like to retain that person. And, and I think that have I think it would be reasonable for one of these coaches, whether it be Atkinson or D'Antoni or anyone to say, okay, got it. Uh, you know, we'll figure it out from yeah. there. Maybe, maybe they weren't, maybe they weren't reasonable about it, but I think 
as evidenced by the fact that they kept on so many people. I think that, to me, was probably the straw like, that broke the camel's back. Nothing wrong with Marlon Garnett. Uh, spent a little time in Boston uh, back in, I believe, 1999. Played a lot overseas, but then came back uh, to the States and was uh, sort of the special assistant liaison to Trey Young in Atlanta in, in his first couple of years, and then uh, and then Devin Booker as well with the Phoenix Suns. So has a lot of experience working one-on-one with the type of guard that you expect LaMelo Ball to be. And I think LaMelo coming into the league so young it was it was probably good to have someone just like you know hands on like hey not only not only just from a basketball perspective but just from a hey here's what it's like to be around the league right now and someone who understands sort of the the current crop of guard in the NBA it wasn't like Marlon Garnett as somebody who's you know a thousand years old and you know is telling him about Bob Cousy. Like, no, I mean, he's worked with guards, right? I mean, he's worked with this is what the plumbers. Pass me the ball, Leonard. Yes, that's yeah. what Bob Cousy would have done. Um, let's, no, let's so, yeah, so like, so to, to me, th- it would make sense for that one name. It's the fact that they held on to so many that I think was probably uh, why the Hornets right now are dealing with Steve Clifford and not Kenny Atkinson. A couple, I mean, I, that that's not the sole reason too, because Kenny did say he wanted to stay in the Bay Area. That that's he didn't what he want said. To play with that State. sure he, is. That is that is that is thirty three. Yeah, Kenny Kenny Atkinson said a, a bunch of different things. Which said is, a lot of things. Ken, of, right. Kenny just says Kenny's slithering around, saying a lot yeah. of things. A, a lot of uh, you know. I, I'll end on this too. The the number of how many is too many is somewhat arbitrary. At the end of the day, Clifford got to choose five, four, six, whatever. Right? Like I think there's ten on the coach staff. I'm not mistaken, but I think we just listed eight. Um, but a lot for, of old guys too, by the way. I mean, and and I'm not saying that derisively. I'm just saying yeah. that like, look, Corbin's fifty nine. Byers 60, Walters 52, uh, Kreitzer 72. Um, so, but, but the young you guys know, are, are staying. You right. Know, the player like development Jake. guys tend to be on the younger side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess my, my point being if, if the Garnett or the Freedmans, if that's the point, you know, there, there can be some kind of happy medium. And, and I think if, if you don't like if Mitch Kupchak, really is only going by what his opinion is as evidenced when he was asked the question, have you gotten the opinion of one LaMelo about coaching search or whatever? And he said, no, <laughs> like I haven't, I haven't asked, nor have they reached out. I'm Mitch Kupchak. I've done this for a while. I can do whatever. Then a lot of people did not like that comment. It's okay to give LaMelo power in the assistant coaching department at least with one of the 10 with 10 percent or however much percent it is of the assistant coaching staff because you don't want to just strip him of everything there are levels to this you can say all right Lamelo, you like this guy we like him for you we'll keep him here let's at least give him a little power where it's okay to do so and i think this was okay to do so but this team has been very very careful not to mention any of that They've gone out of their way not to even give off the impression that mm-hmm. LaMelo Ball gets special treatment a- at all. They're just not there yet, and probably because of how young he is. Uh, I think the all-star bid helps move it in that direction, saying this is his team. There have been there have been things that they've said like, yeah, this is obviously, you know, LaMelo, this will be his team. But it's all been kind of future tense stuff. So it'll be interesting to see if Marlon Garnett is sort of step one into moving this organization more into, hey, this is LaMelo's team. We're going to build it 
around him. That'll be interesting. I, I am super interested, though, in the ages of the coaches that that Clifford's bringing on versus the ages of the coaches that are in the player development staff, because I think it's just an interesting old, old school, maybe new school clash uh, could, you know, maybe there's some conflict there. I'm just saying, watch out for some TikTok versus grandfather clock. Watch out. I'm just saying. Um, okay. So you're saying there, there's going to be this, there's going to be this iPhone slash crutch Walker battle, you know, who's you're going to be having the millennium throw their weapon of choice and the old guys throwing their weapon of choice mid season. Once they decide, Hey, this isn't actually working out for all of us. Let's talk about Donovan Mitchell. You mentioned it's LaMelo ball's team. I would still imagine it'd be LaMelo ball's team. Even if they did trade for one Donovan Mitchell, which might be an interesting topic maybe later on, but there is no news on the Donovan Mitchell conversation. We know that the New York Knicks talks have stalled, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to go after Donovan. It doesn't mean that there can't be a trade that could still happen. Uh, you just have to wonder if Utah is still scanning the market, trying to figure out the best possible offer they could get. What do you think is the best offer that the Charlotte Hornets could send to Utah, Doug? And do you think that that would be good enough comparatively talking about the New York Knicks enough to actually have a real shot at landing Donovan Mitchell. Well, I think the offer is every, every available first round pick that the collective bargaining agreement allows the Charlotte Hornets to, to move their way. How many, which looks like three because they don't have, and this was plus pick swaps. So it might be like five, you know, maybe three and two pick swaps. And, And then you're talking about, you know, negotiating with them on, you know, a young player, uh, is it book Knight? Is it Kai Jones? Is it PJ Washington plus the contracts necessary? So is it, you know, obviously it would be better from a basketball perspective, just from a fit perspective to move Terry Rozier as opposed to Gordon Hayward, but maybe you really want to come off that Gordon Hayward contract. So you figure it out with Rozier moving to the bench. Uh, but you, I think to me still, you do whatever it takes. I, I think that what Donovan Mitchell would bring to this team, he fits so many of the things that the Hornets lacked last season, he would fill those gaps immediately and take pressure off of LaMelo Ball to have to improve on those things to fill in those gaps. He scores at the rim so efficiently. He made 65% of his shots at the rim last season, according to Cleaning the Glass. 80% of those makes, 80% were unassisted. He can get his own shot. He doesn't have to depend on anyone else, but he can also draw the defense in such a special way that honestly, really no one else on this team could last season draw a defense like that and kick it back out to LaMelo. We've talked in previous shows, LaMelo ball was almost led the team in points despite not scoring well around the rim. He did it all because his outside shot was so deadly. What becomes even deadlier if he's even more wide open because opposing defenses have to worry so much about what Mitchell can do off the drive. It would be a pick your poison situation with LaMelo ball and Donovan Mitchell to me, that's enough to get you into the playoffs. You're not even talking about playing at that point. That's enough to get you to the playoffs. That's the worry, right? I think that's the at, at the very at the very meat of this conversation. Oof. Is it enough? That deserves a, that deserves a sip of coffee right there. That was I, I really landed that one. Well, yeah. Well, you know, Doug, you, again, we've talked about it before. You are your biggest fan. And when we see the snowball continue Oof. to roll down the hill, I can see when you're going to be thrilled with the way that you end that debate. And I could see it there. Um, yeah, all of that's true as far as the ability of one Donovan Mitchell. The the really the the conversation here is: Is it a playoff team? Is it a perennial 
playoff team and then beyond, right? Because if we, even if we admit that it's a playoff team next year, and then you have to continue to take some of those steps, we're going to not be so happy two years from now if they don't get out of the first round, right? So do you take that instant gratification if it means, oh God, we can't get past that next step? But real quickly, the point being, you talked all about how he helps you offensively, which is not where this team struggled last year. This team was excellent offensively last year. In fact, it was defensively that pretty clearly kept them out of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Now, Mark Williams, he's a first round pick who knows how much he's going to help this season and beyond. You mm -hmm. can still make some of these decisions to help you on that end of the floor, but trading PJ Washington would certainly be something that hurts you, you know, trading if they wanted Mark Williams, because He's more valuable in their eyes than a Kai Jones or a James Book Knight. Well, you don't do. You can't would do that. I wouldn't do that. I mean, that that might be that. Well, Mark, that I, might... That's interesting. Mark Williams is a is a like not non touchable, but like what what do you mean? What uh, how is that too much? Right? Like, well, with, it's with not. Mark it's Williams. not even. It's not even about Mark Williams as a prospect. I think it's about where the Hornets have put themselves in in terms of roster construction. So I, I just don't. That that to me, yeah, because I think you're totally right. Like you can't trade for Donovan Mitchell and then miss the playoffs because look, 2020, he does have a few years on his contract, but in 2025, he's same as same really as Lamelo. You're having to right. convince Donovan that hey, we can actually win a championship. Otherwise, he's gone to New York or uh, Miami if they somehow miraculously pull this off. By the way, because I think all of the anything you hear about the Hornets, it, to me is just posturing by the Utah Jazz to try to get this uh these talks with New York unstalled. Hey, you know, we're talking to mm. we're talking to Washington, we're talking to Charlotte. Uh Indiana called us the other day, you know, we're just having all it's a, you know, it's it's a old relationship like oh, I'm having are so you, much fun doing, with all of these are you, are you doing Valley Girl talk with Oh my god. Like, I mean, Billy doing? called me the other day and we're like going to the movie. Oh my yeah, I mean, it's just what they're doing. Uh, this is it's all childish yeah. malarkey. Uh, yeah. And and if the Hornets pull this off, it's because they absolutely couldn't find a deal with New York. And then Charlotte swoops in and gives them the house. Well, and, and that kind of what lends us to that theory is the fact that the Hornets can't really beat New York if the Knicks are all in on Donovan Mitchell. Players. The Knicks there are other teams. I said this on locked on NBA. It's not about picks. Although I think probably there are other teams that could offer maybe stronger picks, but who could offer, even if, even if a team could offer you four first rounders. Okay. I think you have to look at the history of the Charlotte Hornets and go, I think a Charlotte Hornets three picks is stronger than maybe some other teams four picks. Yes. No, you are totally right. The fact that the Hornets have not been good works for them with the value of their first round picks. Mm-hmm. Against every team other than the Knicks. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. It's the fact that the Knicks are in this conversation that uh, kind of diminishes that argument. But yeah, Miami, they beat Miami. They beat Miami yeah. on the number of picks. But players, uh, they, that, that's where I think the Hornets are really going to struggle. I think there are better assets that could go back uh, for other teams. Yeah. Three first round picks. Two pick swaps, PJ Washington, Mark Williams. And a partridge in a pear tree. All for Donovan and whatever filler you want to throw in there. That's not going to be enough. And it's, I don't even know. Utah doesn't even want Terry Rozier probably because he doesn't fit their timeline unless they. I don't even, we don't even, we don't even want him. We don't even want Terry Rozier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Utah's saying. Uh, 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 no, I, I hear you. That's that's the that's Ew. the Ew. Ew. Yeah, that's, yeah. yes. Ew. 
that's what it is. It's the Jimmy Fallon skit on SNL. Um, all right. Weird, weird transition. <laughs> it's early Coming August, up. baby. Yep. This is yep. what you get on Locked on Hornets in early August. Just give me to the schedule. Yep. Just get me to the NBA schedule release, please. Well, that's not coming up next, but what oh. is coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast? Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. A verdict came in from an independent arbiter for the NFL's investigation on Deshaun Watson. He is uh, suspended six games. What is the tie there to Miles Bridges as we discuss any kind of punishment that could come down from the Hornets and the league? on Miles Bridges after his domestic violence charge. We will get to that in just a moment. We will talk about Bet Online, a proud partner with us here on Lockdown Hornets for a long time now. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's second half of the Major League Baseball regular season. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, even golf. Bet online where the game starts. Plenty more coming up next. Locked on Hornets. Is locked on Hornets. Well, don't let, hold on. Don't let me end my take on that because that's not what I mean. I don't mean that he shouldn't nope, be in the NBA. No, that's what you meant, and no, it's disrespectful. I mean that. You're Anthony Tolliver. I'm Trevion Graham. That's who I love. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, we got some news in the NFL over the weekend. Really, uh, a lot of news coming in. One, we have the Stephen Ross um, tanking allegation where actually, yes, Miami, because of tampering also, this Tom Brady story that it's pretty wild has not been covered. And now I'm kind of repeating what everybody else is saying. Now we're kind of retroactively going back and saying, wait a minute, why did nobody cover the Tom Brady Miami Dolphins story as extensively as it should have been covered, but it's because Brian Flores hit Miami with his, with his lawsuit. So mm-hmm. Stephen Ross, for those that don't know, Stephen Ross had been in the works with Tom Brady, like since 2019 to try to work a plan out for him to come to Miami as like this player coach and then finagle him being the starting quarterback and then also be some kind of part owner. And when he said he was going to retire Tom Brady, in reality, it looked like he was just going to go to Miami and not retire from the league. Hence the not saying goodbye or thank you to New England. Like a lot of this makes sense. Also, they were going to bring in Sean Payton. So that news broke in the NFL. We also I, it have- makes me sad. It makes me sad because, you know, I think that really that's that's really going to clamp Michael Jordan's plans to do the same thing with Steph Curry. And yeah, I think that's I really the most disappointing that. part of that news. And Steph Curry is absolutely going to age the same way that Tom Brady did. And we could really use him. Come back home, Steph. And also don't age and eat avocado ice cream and do all that stuff so you can lead (laughs) us to a championship. Now, the other verdict that came in through the NFL over the weekend, it's the Deshaun Watson decision. So after the NFL's investigation up to an independent arbiter, Judge Sue Robinson ruled that Deshaun Watson would be suspended for six games. Now. I don't know where you want to go with this discussion, Doug. Six games. I think where I'll start is it was you don't want to use the word surprising because we've seen this happen way too many times where you think there should be a harsher punishment. However, arbitrary it might be eight games, 10 games. It feels weird to put a number on what is somebody who is had a, a, a history of serial sexual harassment. To only have six games, I don't know what the right amount of games is. I just know six games is not enough. 
And I think that's where a lot of people are arriving at is the fact that six games feels not nearly as much punishment, especially with the $330,000 that is going to get taken away from right. him, which is the largest guaranteed, not even needing the caveat of guaranteed, largest <laughs> contract in NFL history. None of it seems strong enough. Roger Goodell does have the power as NFL commissioner to decide to enhance that suspension given public backlash, which I think most people have talked about six games not being enough. And so Roger Goodell does have some reason to put this up, maybe on his own beliefs too. Like, I don't know where Roger Goodell's head is during all of this, but I think today is the deadline where he can, within his power, enhance that suspension. We don't know about the appeal process, whatever. You know, Doug, what is the relationship here? I know there was a question you wanted to um, talk about too, given. Well, to we've had a few people, com we've had a few people comment on our episodes and, and want to know uh, how this, not that, not that there would be some one-to-one -one relationship between what happened with Deshaun Watson and what may happen with Miles Bridges, but what this says, what, what, what we can take from this into those future discussions. And I want to just clean up one thing that you said, sexual harassment with the arbiter said this was sexual assault and the arbiter yeah. believes that these things happen and believes that Deshaun Watson is lying about it when he says he's, he's not done any of these things. And, and yet what, what I take away from that situation is that no matter what happened, the, the NFL punishment will be what the NFL punishment is. But we know that on some level, Deshaun Watson has already won because of the because of the decisions that the Cleveland Browns made in terms of his contract and in terms of bringing him into the organization despite knowing about all of these different cases and, and it just goes to show you how how the treatment of women in professional sports is just simply disregarded if you have enough talent if you can make money for a team, a team is going to be willing to pay you money despite how you treat women. And, and that's really what I take with me into the discussion as I transition into Miles Bridges. I'm interested to see how the Charlotte Hornets react as this continues to develop and how the NBA decides to react, because I think those are two, those can be two very different things. The big difference between what's going on with Miles Bridges and what's going on currently with Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson's did not get indicted criminally. Uh, you know, Miles Bridges has been charged with three felony domestic violence uh, charges that include child abuse under the California statutes. Uh, Deshaun Watson was faced with multiple, multiple, multiple civil actions, and I think still one uh, pending. Uh, it, it, so that's and you can see where the league, the NBA and the Hornets are basically in a holding pattern until they get more clarity, clarity on the legal situation. The question in the air is once there is clarity on the legal situation, how does that clarity inform how the team and the league approaches it? Uh, because just because you are able to evade the, the criminal justice system, which has very high standards for, for proving guilt or innocence. Yeah. Which by that the way, doesn't, that doesn't mean that just like Deshaun Watson, it doesn't mean you should evade punishment. It doesn't mean that you should be given more money and more power uh, be, because that's what's happening with Deshaun Watson. But which, by the way, you talk about enough evidence. Judge Sue Robinson did rule that actually, you know what? There is corrobor corroborating evidence that Sean Watson lied. 
and even kind of not without saying it directly did say that Deshaun Watson lied and that there is evidence to suggest that all of these independent witnesses, quote unquote, or victims in this case, were telling the truth with their interactions regarding Deshaun Watson. And really the line that seems to be drawn from Judge Robinson is the fact that there was not violent act. Right. And that's what is really, really frustrating to see in the fact that there's because she does not deem violence here, that there is no evidence of physical violence here and how that is an important part in this ruling. Mm -hmm. Well, as 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 frustrating as that is, you know, we have that with Miles Bridges. I allegedly. Allegedly. Well, okay. I'm trying. I'm, just, I'm, just, no, right. I'm trying. I'm trying to. Mad. I'm no, trying I'm to just, tell you what the situation is. No, yeah, no, you're. No, you're I'm not trying. I'm. I'm trying to lay out what what the Hornets and the NBA are looking at. They're looking at someone who has been charged with three felony domestic violence. They have, um, you, you know, some social media posts and pictures. There's a lot of a lot of uh, stuff that's going to uh, work its way through the criminal justice system. That's what they're dealing with. No, that, no, that's totally fair. So I, I think that line being drawn, Deshaun Watson should have a harsher punishment than what has been given to him. And we will see if Roger Goodell hands that out. I think, again, there was a three-day period that he had to enhance this punishment. And I think we're down to the last day or so. It could be coming now at, at any moment. Um, with this Miles Bridges stuff, man, like you look at, Sue, you look at Judge Robinson's ruling, too, she hides behind precedent, which is what so many people do in this instance. It, the, there is no precedent for Deshaun Watson's case. And based off of there not being any violent act committed by Deshaun Watson, as she ruled, she didn't feel like she could give Deshaun Watson a harsher punishment more than six games. Okay, hard eye roll. I, speaking of arbitrary, I think that I think your definition of violence is pretty arbitrary, but not with Miles Bridges, Doug, like pretty clearly there is a there is a an accusation of domestic violence here on a felony count. And so when we talk about precedent, we've kind of found it hard to find those cases within the NBA. And we would go to Jeffrey Taylor, who coincidentally played for the Charlotte Bobcats when he was drafted out of Vanderbilt. Jeffrey Taylor, an incident in 2014, found that he pushed a woman so hard that she hit the door on the opposite side of the hallway and then that he destroyed the hotel room. But that was a misdemeanor offense that he was arrested for. If you look at the collective bargaining agreement, which has since been changed, but not that stipulation since 2017. So feel free to correct me on any of this. This is just my understanding on the CBA as it's written and amended since 2017 that Adam Silver, as a commissioner, has grounds to suspend or put any kind of punishment towards Miles Bridges or anybody in the NBA if they plead guilty to a felony count or if they are charged and convicted of a felony count. That's where we don't have the precedent. But it does state in the CBA, as far as my understanding goes, that Silver can hand out any punishment he wants to. Now, Jeffrey Taylor was suspended 24 games, and he pled guilty, and he decided not to appeal. 
you know, Michelle Roberts, the NBA PA executive director at the time, she came out with some strong language saying the NBA has zero precedent, quote unquote, because it's what people hide behind all the time to suspend somebody for that amount of games. But then Jeffrey Taylor was like, look, I'm not going to appeal it. And eventually he served out of suspension, never really was a prominent player ever again. Like, Doug, we this is honestly, man, like when we're talking about what Miles Bridges has done, allegedly, if this continues to play out, we are talking about case law for NBA. We're talking about and and uh, a pretty egregious uh, count here for Miles that might just be the precedent that we often seek for future violations in the NBA. I think that if Miles Bridges is found guilty of the charges or pleads guilty to the charges, this yeah. uh, the decision for the team and the NBA would seemingly be very easy doesn't mean that they will make the easy decision but it would seemingly be easier um where, where it gets a little muddy is if uh there there is some kind of uh that he's uh, I, I mean he's already pled not guilty so you know i, I don't know that, that this is not again this is not a civil issue so many times these are civil case issues where there could possibly be a settlement um, that's not what we're talking about here. I mean, this is going to be, this is being criminally litigated. Um, so I, I don't know what those avenues are for the team in the NBA. Um, it, it will be very interesting to monitor at all. We know that August 19th is the next hearing uh, that I believe is to schedule the next date. Uh, so I don't know how much information we're going to get in August. This, this seems like it's going to drag on for quite some time. Um, and and I don't know. The, the only thing that I take away from the Deshaun Watson situation is that the Cleveland Browns organization it just uh, unseemingly they're, they're just not ashamed no. to be uh, anti-women. Like I mean, they're just like the anti-keeping uh, women safe. And I desperately, I desperately hope that the, the Charlotte Hornets or as an organization, Michael Jordan really consider carefully whatever decisions they make, how it will appear that they feel about um, the, the, the women that uh, are a part of their organization, the women that um, buy tickets are fans of this organization. Uh, I just really hope they consider that as they make their decisions on this. Yeah, part, we have a part in not supporting a bottom line, too, which is ultimately what they care about, which is what you will hear a lot in these types of situations where a team will bring some accused or convicted of domestic violence. And if their bottom line is affected in a positive way, then they're just going to weather the PR storm because history shows us that they can get past that, win games. And even Cleveland had fans outside of their training camp facility that were cheering Deshaun Watson as he walked onto the field, which only enhances Cleveland's position that they don't care. And it's pretty easy to weather the storm. If you just don't look at Twitter or these news stations for a while, it's real well, easy because the dog pound is screaming, baby. I, like that's, that's the problem with this. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get really cynical on you here. And I know we're, we're going over time, but I don't care. Yeah. I'm getting cynical on you here. Um, there's a big difference that I think we have to recognize, which is that, and, and this is an unfortunate recognition on my part, that the I think there's a big difference in these two situations in that Deshaun Watson was a player that multiple teams mm -hmm. had decided, okay, it's worth weathering that PR storm. It wasn't just Cleveland. 
It was, it was uh, Carolina. Carolina Miami. went after him. Yeah. Right. Like, okay. So yeah, that's like that. not happening with Miles Bridges. He he went through this free agency process and um, with these, uh, you know, after this had happened and no other team made an offer. Right now he has a standing qualifying offer that has not been pulled by the Charlotte Hornets. Cannot now cannot be pulled unless they come to an agreement with Miles Bridges, uh, but has no other offers from any other teams in the league. Um, so that is a big difference in those two situations yeah well no I, I think that's that's very understood Deshaun Watson playing the most important position in sports being young and really good at it you are going to get the largest guaranteed NFL contract in history and there's not too many things that will stop that including having a case of serial sexual assault in your past so Miles Bridges if we're going to talk about the amount of talent that allows you to get past certain things Miles certainly doesn't have that, right? And we should not be talking about it in this light, but the NFL and these leagues, they kind of forces to, you know, if, if we're going to talk about this from some kind of realistic standpoint and the punishment that could be handed down to Miles Bridges, what has been handed down to Deshaun Watson. All right, that'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Appreciate you sticking with us going over time here, but we always appreciate your, uh, your support making us your first listen. Make sure your second listen is Locked On NBA. It's your daily 30-minute update on everything happening within the association. You can catch that also wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.